Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast. Brought to you by rosterwatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert, and we are in our hotel room overlooking the lovely Lucas Oil Stadium here in Indianapolis. We were at the NFL Combine, the 2019 NFL Combine, our ninth year. Is, is it our ninth? Something like that. Is it ninth? It's not tenth. I think it's eighth. Eighth. Let's see. Yeah. All right. So our eighth year here in Indy. And as always, the first day, just a ton of takeaways. Like, how do you even want to start? We're going to have all of the, uh, just a couple quick notes for our pro members. We're going to have the uh, audio from all the fantasy football questions that we asked of every head coach and GM up uh, at some point today. As soon as our webmaster gets them up, you'll be able to find those at rosterwatch.com. Uh, with the link to where to listen to those. You can just listen for yourself to what all these coaches and GMs had to say. Uh, we're going to kind of go over it, though, right now and just kind of go from the start you know, to the end. Another just quick note, the best ball cheat sheet, uh, version 1.0. St- I wanted to have it up before he left for the combine. I st- I'm still not quite ready to put it up. It's because a tough it, one, man. Some of the things we've even had today are just – you know, some of the news we've, had, we've gotten today and what some of these coaches have said, I've, I've had to move a few people around, um, and, and we'll, we'll get to all that, and I'll, I'll kind of ask Byron about sort of where I've put them and what he thinks about their various slotting as we go through and we talk about what these coaches and GMs had to say. But, you know, without further ado, let's just get right into it. Um, or wait, before we get into it, please – Rate and review the podcast. We appreciate those of you that are rating and reviewing the podcast, but I see the numbers of how many people listen, and I just think to myself, why don't, why don't more of these people give us a rating and a review? It takes two seconds. You don't, honestly, if you don't have the time to give us a review, you can just go in your app right now. Just go down an Apple podcast and just give us five stars. That would be really, really helpful. It'll help people find the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. We're trying our best to get out as much good content to you as we can. This is premium content. So please, just rate and review the podcast. You can ask questions there. If you ask a question in the uh, Apple Podcasts reviews, we will answer them here on the pod. You can call Byron a jackass. You can call him, you know, you can tell me how handsome I am. Could be a greasy Greek, like Vic Fangio. <laughs> no, he said a he has greasy, greasy Italian, Italian skin. Yeah, right. I think you're the only greasy Greek in this room, Byron. Let's get started on it. Uh, just do you have the do you have the? Yeah, I mean, there was no up? more fitting way to begin the 2019 NFL Combine than with Mike Mayock kicking us off uh, with the general manager and head coach press availability that goes on for really three days here, th- uh, Wednesday through Friday. And I told Alex, I said, did you know it's not a coincidence that Mayock was first on this list of 64 guys who have to get trotted out here in front of the media over the next three days? He, he was ready to get that thing over with. But, see, you know, he's, he's good. He's, he's, it still seems like Mayock. He was delightful up there. Really. Yeah, it he still seems a, like Mayock, very, very giving with his information, um, you know, very transparent. It's you know he knows it's a little bit different now because he's he's actually now he's having to make the picks, but um, you know just as far as our questions for him, of course Byron just fired him out immediately with the Chris Warren stuff. What did you get out of that? Well, May it's interesting because Mayock was more aware that he'd been a tight end for a little while there in college than Gruden was when I had asked Gruden about it uh, back at the Senior well, Bowl. Mayock was at his pro day. 
Yeah, I mean, so I'm, what I we got an enthu- immediately an immediate and enthusiastic response from Mike Mayock about Chris Warren. And I, I'll have to go back and listen to the audio, but he said something very interesting about how some guys, like, you have to teach them to be hammers, and then there's some guys who are just always hammers, and then there's, like, guys who learn to, like, switch speeds out there. And he just he just said that Chris Warren is a very powerful back that has their organization, the personnel side of their organization very excited right now, and he's a guy that they're to, to look out for this offseason. With that, uh, he also there was also talk of, you know, he was asked about Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is turning 33. Um, I believe he said, you know, there's been some talks with his people, but he, Marshawn Lynch is still unsure of exactly what he's going to do. Uh, you know, he's coming off some, he's coming off some injuries. And, uh, I mean, do you get, I kind of get the idea that, I'm not interested in Marshawn Lynch for fantasy. I don't even have him anywhere on this best ball cheat sheet. I, like, I, I, until we know for sure that he's even going to play. And I think, you know, the, the, the news that they're going to be staying in Oakland, maybe that gets beast mode there for one more year. But even so, man, it's, he's, he's so undependable for fantasy. I think that Chris Warren still represents a good, you know, a good sneaky stash in dynasty leagues, a good late round, uh, you know, late, like, I mean, late, like 20th round pick. In best ball drafts, after you've gotten your, you know, you filled out your two defenses, you know, maybe, you know, take a shot on Chris Warren there because they seem to like him. Other than that, I asked him about, you know, he talked about one of the things that he's been having to do is is get in there with John Gruden and just kind of figure out the kind of, you know, because he's, he's not scouting for traits and stuff right now, you know, general traits and, and athleticism like he used to be uh, for the last 17 years working for the NFL Network and different media organizations. He's actually scouting for traits that his head coach feels like he needs to win and institute his offense. So he mentioned, you know, I'm, I've been finding out what a John Gruden ex-wide receiver is, and I've been finding out what a John Gruden this and that is. And so I, I, I asked him right after that, I said, well, you know, what is a John Gruden ex-wide receiver and who is your ex-wide receiver right now? And he said, well, right now it's Marcel Aitman. Um, that should tell us all we need to know. They're, gonna, they're going to address the, the wide receiver position, right? They, they, they have to. They have, they, have, they, have, they have, what, ten picks in this draft, three in the first round? I mean – this is a deep, deep draft for wide receivers, so I really expect them to be, you know, during the middle rounds, rounds two through four, really kind of dip their toes in and pr- probably come out of there with some really good wide receivers because if the season was to start today, Marcel Aitman would, yeah, would, a scary, would, would be their starting axe. It's a scary thought. You wonder with Lined up across an, from Jordy. You wonder with an abundance of first-round picks as we continue to hear and see that the even the top end of this wide receiver class is – kind of shaping up right now. You wonder if they might consider that. Certainly an area of need. I mean, I said that he was enthusiastic in response to Chris Warren. He was anything but enthusiastic in his characterization of Marcel Aitman as the ex-receiver. He was more of like an acknowledgement. He said clearly we're going to have to – clearly we have to add some some size, some speed, uh, some some other things at that position. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and and I want to circle back too. I mentioned that Mayock – uh, seem to acknowledge Chris Warren's experience uh, there at Texas a little bit as a tight end more than Gruden had when I brought it up to him. And what I meant by that is Mayock sees Chris Warren potentially as a power back who can run and, and catch, catch the, the football. football. Right. No, exactly. And But th- th- they're not taking a wide receiver in round one. You heard how much Mayock said the that defense. this defensive line is the best he's seen in 10 years. You know what that you, I mean. You know what that means. He's but what, like, how many picks do they have in the first round? Right, three. Now? It's three. 
But the one at the very top is probably going to be going to some guy like Quentin Williams, even though he was he was very, 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 very excited about their – You don't uh, think two, they can take two defensive linemen? And, uh, I mean, they need so much help everywhere. It's it's too early to speculate. And I'm with you. I don't want to so see deep, him. It's so deep at wide receiver. I don't want to see him take a receiver in, in yeah. the first round. Yeah. But it's – that is, when Marcel Aitman is your X receiver and Jordy is your two, I mean, that is a glaring, <laughs> glaring need. And the one thing is we've learned over the years from this draft process is these teams fill – they draft for need. They do draft for need. They fill needs in, in the draft, and that's a – they can hardly field a wide receiver core. They really like um, – they, they really like – uh, the two defensive tackles that they took last year, P.J. Hall and Maurice Hurst. So, I mean, well, it's, well, it's not going to be a need. I think they're just you know, certain guys at the top that they're not going to be able and to And they like on. Arden Key. Yeah, he did mention that Arden mm-hmm. Key was a guy they were That defensive to, line, that young defensive line, maybe shaping up a little bit for the Raiders. Who was after Mayock? After Mayock, sorry. I had to <laughs> get it pulled pull up this on back up my phone. Got I have, I'm sorry, I got phone. Cecil Lammy from Football Guys texting me about where we're going for beers in a little while. <laughs> Brian Flores, Dolphins. That was going on. I like contemporaneously. him. Hey, not not much info from him though. Seemed very soft spoken. I didn't. Not soft spoken. Just more laid back. He said like he, uh, the, you know, some of the New England beat was there saying like it's weird seeing you in Aqua, and he's like, I feel good in Aqua. Feels good down there in those in that <laughs> Miami weather. Well, what about Kalen Balaj? You spent more time over at that presser than I did. Did you guys get anything out of Brian Flores? On I didn't Kalen get Balazs? any. No, I didn't get anything. I, I I've even said, man, you've you've gone against these guys. Like you've gone against these guys for years in in division. Like who are some of the who are some of the playmakers on this offense? And and you, you guys who are pro members at Roster Watch, just go listen to the audio and listen. He said like, yeah, we yeah we definitely have some playmakers. We got some guys we're excited about. We got uh, it's just really there wasn't much to there wasn't much to gain from 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 Brian Flores. Well, maybe we should move on to the greasy Italian uh, it, that he called himself. Vic Fangio, the new head coach of he said that the that Denver Den- Broncos. He said that Denver air even dries out his greasy Italian skin. <laughs> no, one, no one told him before he moved. There's very, very low humidity up there in Denver. The other thing he said, he says, man, they weren't pulling my leg just to get me down here when they were telling me about how much sunshine there is in Denver. People don't know that Denver in the front range of Colorado is 300 days of sunshine a year. It's more than Dallas, Texas, more than Austin, Texas, more than... Many, many places across the, the country. Coming from, I think, where he, he'd, he'd been in Chicago. Oh, yeah. He, he, he narrowly escaped the polar vortex and got himself to some sunnier weather there. It's still you know, pretty polar. The thing about Fangio is being a defensive guy, what are you really going to get out of him about his evaluations on these offensive players? He's, he hasn't been not, there long you're enough. You're not. You're, you're just not. But I think we got the collaboration. We can also talk about what Elway had to say, you know, say like just, just now. The between Elway and yeah. Fangio. I mean, Alex... I think that helped us kind of arrive at – I mean, did, did they show agreement on how they characterized Royce Freeman? I thought it was pretty fairly close. They want to get they, – they feel like they want to get him more involved, but they say, you know, we were happy with Philip Lindsay with what he – you know, what, 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 he's, what he's done. We know Devontae Booker sucks. I think they know by now Devontae Booker sucks. This is going to be a one-two punch with – the look, <coughs> he's <coughs> – excuse me. He says that – They've seen now that Philip Lindsay can run between the tackles and he can do all these things, but like he's he's too he's it's they were they like for him to do that season after season it's just not it, 195 but, pounds it's but, not going to happen. But right now Freeman's ADP is too high to be a stash. 
And as long and it sounds like they're going to keep Booker on the roster, and so if if that happens once again, Royce Freeman one fifteen right one fifteen ish at least on the draft app. I think he's a little bit lower on on in MFL tens. I mean, he's going around the same time as Dion. Who would you rather have, Dion Lewis or Royce Freeman? Neither. I hate these drafts, man. Yeah, they're tough right now, man. I think over. I mean, would you rather have Royce Freeman or Michael Gallup? Probably yeah, Gallup. I just, I just, I, Probably I, Gallup, man. I kind of, I kind of just don't want. I kind of don't want either of those guys at that point. I might be. I would just want to take a, maybe take a stab on one of these rookies. You know, it's it's the same area that I've gotten Jalen Samuels and Rodney Anderson. I've been up going, to. yeah, and I'm willing to consider getting down more to like a Deontay Foreman and just, just throwing ADP to the wind there a little bit. Yeah, and just opting to pass on those guys, even the Edo Smiths, the Kalen Balages. I'm, I have interest in all of them. Um, uh, so I think in terms of agreement with Elway, it's like Albright, Ben Albright always says to us, man, when we see him at these things. Royce, Royce Freeman doesn't have a third gear. No, he doesn't, and 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 you have to have sh- you have to have burst kind of in short area in the NFL, and he's got more like build up speed, right? And it's a little bit of a problem. And do you know what John Elway did? He 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 corroborated what I've all what what is my my nickname for Philip Lindsay the the tiny slasher. Elway even said today, I see him as a slasher. Yeah, well, and Albright says he's a little bit like a Warwick Dunn, who was a slasher, so, right? Of a, of, a, of a similar mold. So I think, I, think it, Fang, I feel like they both said that they're, you know, it's Philip Lindsay's backfield, but they're both going to be involved. The it's clearly a timeshare. I don't know if that means Philip Lindsay's being overdrafted. It might. I think it for sure means Royce Freeman is being overdrafted because, look, you can't pay a tenth round pick for a handcuff. Do you want to? I mean, maybe you can. Do you want Derrick Henry and Sony Michelle over Philip Lindsay? Probably. I think so too. So I'm. I'm I mean, I'm definitely make that Sony Michelle. I'm going to make that change. So I can move Philip Lindsay down to below those guys, and I will get. I'm. Just, I'm. Just, I'm going to make that change. It's just too much. Too much talk today about the idea that that yes, you know. There will be at least some sort of reckoning this year for Royce Freeman, but it's not going to be enough to make Royce Freeman valuable. It's just enough to kind of bring Philip Lindsay down to where we can start talking about the difference between is it the uh, is 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 it the Lions up next because Bob Quinn was up and well, so other, is Matt Patricia. I would also say too that it's a little rich for me in terms of a stash for Royce Freeman. It's also as long as they keep Booker, it's a little rich for me in terms of a handcuff. Devontae Booker just sucks. in terms of a handcuff for. Philip Lindsay. So it's too much to pay when you got somebody else like that on the roster. The reason I asked if if, if the if the Lions were coming up next is because Carryon Johnson sort of falls in that same kind of bucket of ADPs with the Sony Michelles, the Derrick Henrys, and the Carryon Johnsons. Now Philip Lindsay's ADP is higher than all those guys, but I think that he kind of belongs in that same bucket along with also Darius Geis and uh, Aaron Jones. Um, there were several guys that came before. Oh well, Matt Patricia was right there with Bob Quinn. Let's just, so we let's had, just yeah. Let's, let's just, just dive right into let's, the lines. Let's over the lines, and they just said we just we tried to just. You even said, "Can we just can we get fifteen to twenty touches a game for Carry On Johnson?" And, and the answer is no. The answer is no. Bob they, Quinn says he doesn't like the idea of a workhorse running back. I I just. And Ma- Patricia essentially said the same thing. And Quinn Quinn has not done a good job putting that roster together. You could tell it's something that those two have talked about together, specifically the running backs, the backfield, Carry-On Johnson. And you remember Carry-On here at the Combine last year said that he wanted to be a committee back in the NFL. 
I just and I mean I think that he's was looked pro- so I think that good. was like probably the proper evaluation of him coming out. But then he looked so good in spots last year. You start to say, well, I mean, he's you know, there's guys at that height and weight that can do it with the volume, and he certainly looks like he's got the upside to do it. So maybe that's what we'll see heading into year two. But now I have to think Carryon Johnson being slightly overdrafted. Do you like Darius Geis and Aaron Jones better? I th- Aaron, what's, we're going to talk about Aaron Jones. We certainly yeah, asked a lot I, about I mean, him I today. I, it's close. That's a t- I, all those guys are maybe – I might roll the dice on Geis there. <laughs> these roll li- the I, dice on Geis. I, I, like wonder, I wonder if these listeners know that like every, ev- like every fantasy to- topic you see coming out of the combine today is like all of our, all of our questions. We just get up there and we fire in with them. And I think a lot of the people kind of – a lot of the local reporters get on a little bit of tilt. They were there about asking about touches and touch shares and everything like that of all their teams. But it's just, you know, that's what they want to get in there. Well, that's what we're here to beat questions, fucking, they're, right? they're, they're here to see if they're, they're going to fucking fran- some, put, the, put the franchise tag on, on Grady some Jarrett. Some question that's just wearing out the yeah. organization, yeah. right? So um, Okay, so I, carry on. We'll move carry on down below Geis and Aaron Jones. What about Devontae Freeman? You know, we think that he I gets think a Devontae bit of a Freeman gets a bump I mean, today. Got the. Feels like we got the response we wanted in terms of Tevin Coleman likely being gone. I mean, Dan Quinn acknowledged how much he does like Ito Smith, but I didn't take it that he was, uh, you know, going to eat into any – this was going to be any kind of 50-50 time split with Devontae Freeman. I took it as they like Ito Smith. He can can play the entire role that they want there. Uh, and that and that he really overshot their expectations. Whereas which that where, didn't surprise us. We had a high grade on Edo Smith after seeing him at the Senior Bowl and coming out of Southern Miss. I liked Edo Smith. We total combine he wasn't snub. A combine invite wasn't a combine invite last year. I mean, we've been on that one for a, a long time. So good player. They like Edo Smith in Atlanta, but I don't think it's going to be enough. To hurt if Devontae Freeman's being undervalued right now, yeah, based on what Dimitrov so. said, because he was talking about like we have a group of high, he said we have a group of high paid guys, you know, and those guys are the core of our team, and we've paid them up. We're paying we're paying Matt Ryan thirty million dollars a year, you know. We're like we're working hard to get Julio redone, you know. Uh, Jake Jake Matthews, Devontae Freeman, those were the four names that he talked about about their high paid, high impact players. And, uh, you know, how, how soon we, we forget that Devontae Freeman is going to be without Tevin Coleman next year. And, yes, they do love Ito Smith. And, yes, Tevin Coleman, when thrust into basically a starter's role last year, didn't do sh- did, really didn't do shit. He, like, he, he really had the opportunity to, to really grab the reins and do something big to make himself a lot of money in free agency. And I think he will still make some money in free agency. Uh, Dimitrov made sure to stop me and say, look, because I told Dimitrov, I said, man, you guys can't bring, bring back Tevin Coleman. <laughs> Right, like we're not even talking about him when we're talking about the Grady Jarretts and, and the and the Julio Joneses with them getting them redone. I like I I noticed you didn't say anything about Tevin, and you can't afford to bring him back. Like so, what about Ito? And he he stopped me right there and he said he said yes, but Te- I want I, I want it on record that Tevin Coleman is a is a good is a good football player. So and he and he says wherever he lands, he thinks he's going to make some good money. So we'll see. But I do think that Devontae Freeman, we need to get him up and need to manage to try and get a little bit of exposure to him. I mean, a current ADP at the end of the fourth round is just too late, you know, to, I mean, to get Devontae. He needs to be up more with the 
closer to the Marlon Max and the Fournettes and the Derrick Henrys. We'll get to all those do, well, guys. Do, does he need to be above Philip Lindsay and Aaron Jones? I think he does. Yeah. Okay, so let's move to Vaughn. What about Sony Michelle and Derrick Henry? I think that's the that's the bucket we put him in. Does he belong at the top of that list? Would you rather have Devontae than those guys? No, I think I like him. I mean, you could maybe. I, I, I think I like him at the bottom of the of the of that group. I mean, you could argue. You know, how hit or miss is Sony Michelle going to be on a week to week basis? But for best ball, that shouldn't matter, right? Yeah, shouldn't as much. So let's get Devontae. We're going to get a lot of exposure to Devontae Freeman then with this first version. We'll just see how that goes. And you guys, you know, feel free to give us your feedback about the best ball cheat sheet. Uh, again, you can find it at Roster Watch with a pro membership. If you are not a pro membership, if you're not a pro member, Roster Watch, ton of content, pro podcasts, all kinds of stuff. If you uh, sign up today, we it's 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 all year round that we have this stuff. The other feeling I got was that Dan Quinn certainly doesn't think that Austin Hooper's mini breakout this last year was a flash in the pan. Which is funny and because he kind of dismissed the idea of an Austin Hooper. Last year. Almost kind of asked said, like the ship had sailed. Yeah. But this year he, he said, man, that didn't seem like a flash in the pan. And what my takeaway is that the expectation is that that, can, that continuity with Austin Hooper in the offense continues at least at the clip that it was this last year. So, you know, I think he's a, he's a pretty – He's a fairly viable tight end option if you get in trouble. Yeah, I, I just I think that there are others, you know, there are others that I'm, you know, much, much more interested in, you know, later on. We'll talk a little bit later about Chris Herndon, who is just, you know, just they the the Jets brass was just asked about asked about him, just like it was the Chris Herndon bazooka as far as questions they got. Um, so that was the Falcons. We talked about the Lions. Like we're probably we getting a little Ravens. bit. We got Harbaugh and DaCosta. Okay, so I wasn't over there for much of that. What well, you, you got to ask if Gus Edwards could be the guy? Oh, and they said, and and what did what did Harbaugh say? That, I mean, Gus Edwards is our running back. I, I leave today thinking he might be one of the most undervalued guys currently. Yeah. So Gus Edwards' current eighty. Yeah, that's a good. I point. mean, so we're going to bring in some competition, but a lot of these guys are shy and dance around these topics and. Don't really. I mean, Jim or John Harbaugh pretty much came out and said, like, yeah, like he's our he's our lead back. You know, we'll we'll look at bringing in some competition for him. Yeah, I think that. Well, do you but, like? I mean, he's way undervalued right now. Do you like he him? Should be above Royce Freeman. Uh, okay. No question about it. Okay. Um, their ADPs are one twenty three and one fifteen point eight respectively. But I can move. I can move Gus Edwards above Royce Freeman. Absolutely, that's probably a good call. Let's just move him up. But see that that I mean, are are we, are, are we going to be taking Royce Freeman over some of these rookies that that we or Gus Edwards over some of these rookies that we like, like Elijah Holyfield, Rodney Anderson? Seems like we can, we might be able to get those guys a little bit later. Yeah, probably probably in, around that area though. I mean, these guys deserve to be lumped together. Okay, so around that I think there's similar area. prospects to Freeman in a lot of ways in okay, terms of so caliber. We'll get, we'll get Gus Edwards up here. And do you like Gus Edwards? I think that, this, I, I think that you take Elijah McGuire before Gus Edwards. I Based, hate Elijah McGuire. He looked, he, he looked like shit last year, didn't he? You, I thought you were the person who hated Elijah McGuire the most. By yeah, the but, af, but, but after what Adam Gay said today of his evaluation I'm of him. I'm not getting tricked with that bullshit. Yeah, I mean Adam Gay. Adam Gay is just giving us this, dude. 
I believe him on Quincy Inunua for some reason, but I don't believe him <laughs> because I think Inunua's a good player and a good role. And and he, there's a there's a comp. He's had Jarvis Landry in Miami before, and that's kind of the comparison. He started to put Inunua in that box a little bit in the press conference day. Very, and then he he backed off it a little yeah, bit, saying right. I'm not going to. He wants him to be his, he wants him to be Quincy Inunua. He don't want him to be Jarvis Landry. That's fine, and it's a high expectation. But I, but I just Elijah McGuire. I mean, he's going to have to have a transformational offseason. Uh, to he, I mean, no, we, I mean, we've I, seen enough Elijah McGuire. He just looks like he just looks like he's running with a, with his he's with a, oatmeal he's a in his guy. pants. He's a committee guy. Yeah, they and need a, they need they need they need a running back up there in New York. That's a prime spot for, for Le'Veon. Yeah, or or one of these Tevin draft picks or Tevin Coleman, right? It'll be interesting to see how the NFL values like these. There are even some runners in this class that are pretty Ingram. good. Yeah, like I yeah. mean, those are the top. My most considerate, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram, the top free agent running backs. So those are all options. He's a committee back. Okay, so I mean, Gus Edwards over Elijah McGuire. No, then. I wouldn't even think. What about over Matt Breida and Kareem Hunt? Yeah, no doubt. What about over Naheem Hines and Shady? Yep. Really? So all the Gus Edwards? Apparently so. I mean, you don't want to totally break the construct of the sheet by just, I guess. I by think where he is right now, he's, about, he's, he's, he's like 20 spots above 80. I'm not interested ADP. in any of those other guys. And what, what, what I'm saying is if nothing changes, if they don't draft a running back or something like that early, Gus Edwards' ADP is just going to keep. We're just a few months ahead. All right. And, and, I'm, and I'm guessing you like him better than Austin Eckler in best ball? Oh, yeah. All right, so let's make a meteoric rise here for Gus Edwards based on our in- intel from today. Um, I think it's probably fine. We'll we'll be getting him in a lot of these early best ball drafts, but that's fine. I mean, this he's the kind of he's the kind of guy that any given week, if he's if he's in his current role, he could fall in there for two touchdowns. And if if they if they run the ball with the same frequency, not um, too much to ask about Mark Andrews and Hurst. I really wanted to isolate. <laughs> Andrews a little bit more in that discussion, but obviously the team is excited about Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews and think those guys are both legitimate contributors on that offense moving forward. You know, the Lamar Jackson durability question, I'm not even – do you even have to ask it? Because you know what the answer is going to be, right? I mean – We're going to let him be – what was the answer? I wasn't there for that one. I mean, it just all, all Harbaugh went on about was that they've got to develop him to be able to make the tight window passes. Well, yeah, clearly. Um, all right, so that's the that's the Ravens. We already we already we kind of talked about the Jets. I mean, it's we had Pat Shermer of the Giants was up there. And all, I mean, what, what do we really need to ask them fantasy football wise? Well, I thought there was only there's really nothing you can ask because you know the state of that team and of the fantasy players are pretty. It's pretty Interesting obvious. Interesting that he says Eli, he, he wants Eli back. He's happy with Eli. He expects he's him back. He's a body back. collector. He says he's a body collector, which, which I tweeted sounds kind of ser- serial murderery. I mean, I asked him if there was any more that Saquon Barkley can possibly do. And he essentially said no. He said, I'm hoping that he can just repeat what he's already done. So... And you don't care if they – I mean, I'm not saying that means the guy's maxed out, but, I mean, really, realistically, what more can you ask from? So we've seen – that's why he's the number one pick, though, right? Saquon yeah. Barkley. Yeah. 
But I mean, that's he's we've seen the fruits of what he has to offer, and he's just hoping we for, shouldn't expect. He's anymore. just he's just hoping for a repeat. Yeah, I mean that that that's more Saquon's team than it, than it is Odell Beckham's team these days, because Eli sucks so bad, and Odell Beckham's just tied at the hip to Eli Manning. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, nothing else really, you know, interest of interest to me about the about the Giants. Well, speaking of top dog lead running backs, the next guy up was. Doug Marone from Jacksonville. I asked him if he knew why Leonard Fournette had been up in Wyoming at the University of Wyoming doing his strength and conditioning recently. And he said, uh, like, and you guys, please go listen to all the combine audio. We, we go and we record all our questions just for you guys so you can hear the, you know, the subtle nuances and stuff. This is just a quick kind of recap. We'll try and, we'll try and have them. I don't know if we'll have them every day. Maybe we'll try. But um, as far as from today – the some subtle stuff in there that makes you th- like he said like after we sort of had our exit meeting it felt like there was a it felt like he remedied a little bit of his situation there that was feeling a little bit turbulent to end the season whenever him and TJ Yeldon were sitting on the bench and then getting ridiculed by the team and you know them saying that you know they could void what, what was it void is the injury guarantee or something like that for Fournette like there there, there was there was some tension it seems like that tension has been absolved to some degree because he was saying that you know he's like he seemed about happy about Leonard Fournette being up there. I mean, Doug Marone really seemed ha- let's, I mean he seemed happy about his relationship with Leonard Fournette, and it didn't feel contrived or manufactured. Like he legitimately sounded very positive, not so much about Fournette on the field. I mean we'll get into that in a second, but just like all these concerns we have about him, maybe some people think he's like a malcontent or there's something that's gone awry within the organization. And the fit that really does not appear to be the case. And my 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 question to him was, okay, so with TJ Yeldon now, you know, hitting unrestricted free agency, what does that mean for Leonard Fournette's possible usage? And Barone was like, it doesn't mean anything for his usage. Leonard Fournette, like, I want him on the field for every down. Like that's the, you know, you you want him on the field for every play. So, TJ here, TJ gone. I mean, they've just released Carlos Hyde. Everything that's occurred since the late season and, you know. Which left people so sour on dust ups. Everything that's really occurred since then has all pointed in, a, in, pointed in the right direction for Fournette. And, I mean, I don't know if he's criminally you can get undervalued. get him at the 3-4 he, turn? He's very undervalued. This is a guy that can easily – you can't forget he goes he goes 20 points a game in all the games that he was playing and stayed healthy in this last year. I mean, he, he could easily be, you know, one of the very top backs in fantasy in the league. The team sounds extraordinarily he has committed unbelievable to, his, pedigree. to his volume. I mean, Marone even said today it's, it, it, it is hard planning offensively for the next – season whenever the quarterback situation is so up in the air you know he like he's saying that he doesn't even know who's gonna be the quarterback all, all the rest got of got is Fournette man the, and, and, made and, the commitment. and and he also said look I don't want to say it during the year because nobody wants to hear my complaining about the situation but when I asked about the offensive line I said all the uh, you know he said I didn't want to say anything about it during the year people you know people don't care they want you to win football games that's what we try to do we try to go out and win but yeah clearly we lost that we basically lost everybody we lost everybody on our offensive line except for our right guard, who's like and banged it, up. And it's a good offensive line with healthy. I think AJ can might be a potential free agent, but even if they were to lose him, that would still be 
a good offensive line when healthy. So, I mean, I just you add all that up, and it's a lot of mitigating factors. And people are going to feel so burnt, burned by Leonard situation. Fournette. If you don't want to take him, it's fine. But I don't think it's fine if you don't want. I mean, of course, because you can do what you want with your own fantasy league. Right. But if you're not taking him at the end of the third round, you're not trying to win your fantasy league. It's a bad decision. It not could be. To. It could be. It, it, it could certainly be a. Leonard Fournette could be a definite league winner. I didn't ask him about any of these wide receivers. I didn't ask him or Caldwell. No, because you know that that's a wide receiver by committee, and as long as the quarterback situation's in flux, there's nothing we can really make of it anyways. We don't want anything, I don't want anything to do with any of those guys. A lot of rumors and circumstance floating around today about you know, Nick Foles being kind of in the crosshairs of the Jacksonville Jaguars now that the Eagles have said they're not going to franchise tag him. They're going to let him in free agency. The Jags clearly... Um, were the first team to bubble up with a report of interest for, for Nick Foles. And, I mean, as much as I love Nick, I am I mean, he's been, you know, there have been times during regular seasons that he's been pr- pretty pretty bad, you know. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure that um, – I'm not sure that Nick Foles coming down there is the savior to the, you know, the Dante – the you know, the Dante Moncrief redemption this year. Like, is, is Dante Moncrief even on for another year? I think he is. He Who signed knows? a two-year deal. Who knows? But the D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, all the rest. All the if rest you of want it. Nick Foles, you want him for Leonard Fournette. I want to get a functional quarterback in there that, along with that defense, can keep this team on a game script where Leonard Fournette can stay very involved. Who else do we have? We have a ton. We might have to consider even breaking this one into two podcasts. On to, what do you call him? Coach Cool, the newest young <laughs> head coach in the league. Cliff Kingsbury, I guess coach, him and Matt Lafleur, both young guys. Coach, co- coach, bro, just up, up there, up there, uh, up there with his like cool clothes and cool haircutting, just kind of talking like a talking like a Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he is. I noticed he's a little <laughs> bit got the Southern sound yeah. and Texas sound. He's been up there in West Texas. He's been up there in West Texas, man. That's where all the, all, all those McConaughey boys are from up in that exact same area. And his answers are relatively short. He'll answer your question. He'll engage you and answer your question. Well, I asked but it, him. He's pretty, I, I asked pretty concise. Him, um, you know, I, I said, you, you guys were you were at Texas A&M when y'all were recruiting Ricky Seals-Jones out of Sealy. And he, like, he's kind of like, yeah, like that's correct. You know, he, th- he acted like he was kind of weird that I knew something like that. But – um. I said, "What you know? What can you do with a guy like that?" And he said, "Like, dude, he's you know, he's a guy you can move around, create all kinds of mismatches. Um, certainly, you know. But you know, he says he certainly needs to improve and needs to keep working all this. And we know that the Cardinals did bring in Charles Clay, yeah, and he talked about how much he loves Charles Clay. Yeah, so because he, I forget why he had he he's had an experience with Charles Clay at some point. Charles Clay was coming out something when Charles Clay was back in college." Cliff Kingsbury know, has known Charles Clay since when Clay, I believe, played in college. He's admired him long since, and he says he absolutely covets the versatility that Charles Clay offers. So, he, Well, he even said, man, like he takes a lot from his time with Bill Belichick whenever he was a player, and, and we know how much Bill Belichick just respects the shit out of Charles Clay. Definitely. And then, of course, uh, I asked about Christian Kirk. Alex and I have talked on the pod before about – Alex specifically about uh, the usage that Kingsbury's had for those slot type receivers at the in the college ranks, and of course we know that with his ties back to A and M, he has some history there with Christian Kirk. So we're very curious. He said he's very familiar with Christian. We're, we're very curious to find out what that that relationship might look, uh, that marriage might look like moving forward in 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 that new Cardinals offense. Because as you guys know, Christian Kirk was a player we were. Very high on coming out last year, a little bit higher than the rest of the industry. And, 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 and even in fantasy, that really bled over into fantasy where I think we saw a, a 
for a year one uh, player on a bad team, a guy who really flashed and, you know, poised for a pretty good year. And Kingsbury uh, was – he admires Christian Kirk's versatility. He thinks he can play inside and outside, which was another big point of contention in the draft process last year. And, I mean, he, he says they're definitely going to make it a point to – to get Christian Kirk very involved and be a big part. But, I, I mean, he, it wasn't the same thing about, you know, as he said about David Johnson, where David Johnson, he said they want to commit to building that offense around David Johnson, and they want to see him return to do we like David production. Jo- do we like David Johnson? Do we like David Johnson more than, at this point, more than Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, or Le'Veon Bell? I don't – Think so, but it's. I mean, I'm very comfortable taking David Johnson at insane, pretty insane value potentially. In current a, current ADP of like two point oh five, two point oh six. That's a tremendous value for David Johnson. You know, uh, the thing about David Johnson and Kingsbury confirmed this too is, Dave. We've met David Johnson multiple times. He is a rock solid, like good kid, and just tough football player and good guy in the locker room. He's the kind of guy that, you know, as long as his physical skills haven't diminished, which I don't believe they have. I mean, David Johnson's the kind of guy that you can really have a lot of faith in a resurgence in. Yep. Uh, So that was pretty much it from Coach Bro. So time to fire David Johnson back up. We can continue with our Christian Christian Kirk Kirk, uh, admiration uh, moving forward there. And it sounds like we got a little bit of a timeshare brewing at the tight end uh, position there with Cliff Kingsbury having a sneaky hankering uh, for a little bit of Charles Clay (laughs) over there. All right, we've hit the Lions. So that that left us then with the Packers there uh, uh, came up to the podium. A tale of two different takes on Aaron Jones. Uh, Brian Brian Gutenkunz says – that if Aaron Jones can stay healthy, that he wants he he wants him in the game as much as he can. Um, now, then I asked Matt Lafleur what how he felt about the you know the possible running back committee there in Green Bay, and he said, "Look, you need you need multiple runners in this league. You know, you look at my time back in Atlanta with Tevin and with Devontae Freeman. You look at you know my time in Tennessee with." Um, Dion and with Derrick Henry, you know, you can kind of see where this is going. He likes, you know, he kind of likes a committee. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you think that was just him kind of saying it? Do you think that maybe once he kind of got in there and oh no, I think he was absolutely authentic and genuine. He, he thinks Matt both, Lafleur. He, he likes what both can bring in both Matt the, LaForge, the running and the yeah, passing. He aspect. truly believes he has strong conviction about a running back by committee, but. Well, and this could be he, a bit of a mitigating. He says he wants to base the offense around the run. It could be a mitigating factor. I asked him. I asked him specifically. I said, "What can the fans of the Packers expect? You know, differently out of this offense than what they've been accustomed to the last under the last regime? And um, you know, what are the hallmarks of a Matt Lafleur offense in the NFL?" And he said, "We're going to assemble this offense around the run." Yeah. So it tells you there's going to be a lot of touches for both those guys. I mean, the main thing is. I don't want it to go back to a Mike McCarthy. Should we just call it Mike McCarthyism? 
<laughs> I mean, where it was just every year it was four or five running backs in the fold for the Packers. If we could keep it to Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, it's not best-case scenario for Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams has a current ADP of 183.9. Yeah, so you leave today thinking that Aaron he Aaron Jones has a current ADP of 37. I mean, in best ball, Jamal Williams definitely a little undervalued right now. He's going to have a couple of big ga- a couple of good games at least this year. Aaron Jones is running back th- is, is, is 37. Jamal Williams is 183.9. It just goes to show how much the fantasy community hates J- Jamal Williams, but he's, g- he's going to factor in. Yeah, and based on the facts, it's an inexplicable, inexplicable difference. It it's really is. It's a chasm is. between the two, and uh, you can't – there's no way to rationalize it. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get Jamal Williams. I mean, do you like Jamal – Jamal Williams should probably be above the Kenneth Dixons and the TJ Yeldons and the Jalen Richards and the Kalen Bellages, right? He should probably be between them and the Royce Freemans, right? Well, there's a there's a big gap between those guys and Royce. We gotta, we, of course, we don't want to just undermine the construct of the sheet by throwing ADP to the wind because the you know the purpose of this tool of the best ball cheat sheet is to is the intention to, is for you to, to collect to, as many of the best players at every selection you know possible. So. That's what it isn't rankings. It's just leverage against ADP, and it's just it's 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 hard to run the same simulations for that we can for. <laughs> you know, redraft in best ball. It's basically like these are all just best ball but drafts that I'd you just have that, to do. But there's you, a wide variance on these ADPs. So even just getting like half a round high on a guy that that's what we that did. late isn't going to get you enough exposure. I mean, I think Jamal Williams, if his ADP is twenty three point nine, and I, have, I like haven't mixed in now with right? the guys that are the one fifty seven. Yeah, I think that that's fine. Think that and we can fine. tell you that that's fine, like in terms of the construct, but that we might actually even like him more than that. Yeah, in a vacuum. Okay, so the Packers, and then, you know, they went on both Gutenkunst and LaFleur. They like ESB. They, they, they like, like MVS. They don't Jamon like Jamon Moore. Running, <laughs> running behind those guys. I, I, I would rather own Jake, Jake Kumaro than Jamon Moore at this point. They don't, they don't like him. He sucks. We've always said he sucks. We've said it since the Senior Bowl. And he was the first one they took last year when they, when they went with those three rookie wideouts in a row. It, it went Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, then EQ St. Brown. I didn't really hang around for too much Steve Kime this year. The shine, the who shine, gives a the shit about what he says? Started to come off that. He's ball he's he's bit. he's kind of he's kind of looking a little bit like the like it's starting to. He's got the, he's got that five o'clock shadow. He kind of looks like you know. I thought he was he had a, a little he, suave, more, trying to be a little more suave or something he, up there. Yeah, right? I don't know, man. I think that I think he look. He had a tumultuous off season. He's put he is he put together he put together the worst coaching staff anybody's ever seen last year. He put, he basically he's put together one of the worst rosters in the whole National Football League. He sucks. I mean, I can't believe he did not get fired whenever they fired Wil- Wilkes after just one year. How can you not fire Kime too? After they had their walk, their sunset walks on the you beach can't together, imagine that the leash is uh, too long over there. Uh, Jason Light of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, got to get in there and ask him about OJ Howard because what do we know? We know that Bruce Arians is on the record to us um, here at Combine a few years ago saying that Heath Miller was the best tight end he'd ever coached. And then you take well, – he, he said one of the best of all time. Yeah, yes. And then we know that aside from that, he hasn't had a real record of prolific tight ends, at least in recent memory. So you start to wonder, you know, what's the fit going to be like with a, with a weapon like O.J. Howard? Is, there, is, is, is that going to be the right fit so that we can – 
continue to see OJ Howard, you know, blossom the to the fantasy is, Heath, commodity. Heath Miller was fantasy, super fantasy viable, he and was. he likes these guys who can stay on the field that are devastating blockers. But he was, but he's, he was fantasy viable. He wasn't fantasy terrific. And OJ I'd have Howard, to go. I'd have to go back and look. OJ Howard is a guy who could be fantasy terrific, right? Do you think he and, could and be this under? This isn't a knock well, on. What, Heath is, Miller. what did Arian say? I, I wasn't an over there. T- Heath Miller is an excellent tight end. So, like, if that's that is no knock on Heath Miller. It's just a little bit of a limitation in terms of like the pass. You know, you're not going to get George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz out of a guy that's a little more of a profile of a, of a Heath Miller. And, and beside that point, we've just not seen Arians operate with that kind of uh, uh, proficiency at the tight end position. And when you think of an O.J. Howard, you think of a guy that when he came out, the point was for him to be like a Travis Kelsey or a Zach Ertz or a George Kittle. I mean, it sounds preposterous to even say, right? Right. And so, you know, I asked him, you know, and, and, and Jason just said, he said, man, OJ was one of the first guys we sat down and talked about. And uh, Arians absolutely loves him and, you know, is, like, very, very interested in, like, scheming up and figuring ways to get him the, the football. So well, it's good to know. He also, Arians also said, I wasn't over there, but I saw a tweet uh, come across our our Twitter saying that you know he he felt like he did he say something about it? he felt like he had, he had a productive conversation with Deshaun Jackson about how he how, how he would fit in should should he stay maybe so I mean that's the problem you start to get concerned about there especially with Jameis Winston at quarterback I mean he can throw with volume and he can throw for yardage that's that's fine but too many mouths to feed is what you start to get a little it's bit a, it's concerned actually, about actually I mean it's actually really good for Jameis it's good for Jameis I mean, I mean it's it good, good for, for Jameis but you worry about it in terms of you know, if they if they bring, especially if they bring back a Deshaun Jackson, and all of a sudden you've got a Deshaun Jackson, a Godwin, an OJ Howard, a Mike Evans, it's just you know a lot of mouths to feed, and maybe you have to temper expectations a little bit on some of those guys. And another guy that we have zero expectations for, that have been uh, completely tempered, uh, Ronald Jones, uh, the second year running back there in Tampa, came out of USC as the rookie last year. I asked Jason Light, I said, man, what what happened with Ronald Jones and what's the outlook for him moving forward? And, you know, he said that Ronald Jones was immature, but not so much immature in like an, a um, misbehaving or not grown up kind of way, just at 20 years old, kind of immature in terms of like of his development as a football player. And so he said, but he said, Ronald Jones has been a pleasure to work around. And it's been such a pleasure. He's been a healthy scratch in almost all these games. Well, he, he, said, he said Ronald Jones lost his confidence. He said, it just seemed, he said what happened was early in the season, especially even in the preseason, he said every time Jones got the ball, it just felt like for whatever reason that, that on that play, and it had nothing to do with Jones, is when the, the, some defender was penetrating and taking him down for a loss, and then that resulted in a couple of ball security issues, and he just said – that with maybe his little being so young at 20 years old, he felt like it just got the best of Ronald Jones' confidence. Um, but he said he says he expects him to take a big leap. He said he said he, and I mean it was it, it, again we hear a lot of manufactured responses here. If we this podcast would be five hours long if we were sitting here talking about all the bullshit responses we got. We're trying to get on this pod into ones that felt and appeared like they had some meat to them, a little bit insightful takes from these GMs. And these coaches, and like 
Jason Light was authentic and enthusiastic when he said he believes Ronald Jones is going to take a big leap in year two. Now, and to Alex's point, when you're leaping off of, you know, 44 rushing floor, yards. I mean, where are you like, going, you get, right? You take a big leap to 250 rushing yards. You're like, you know, you're, you're 5Xing your production from last year. But, yeah, I, so uh, yet to be seen with Ronald Jones. Um, maybe, a, you know, a good guy to maybe stash and dynasty. See if you can get him cheap in dynasty. What's I don't know. What's his ADP in best ball right now? Let's see. I, I, the fact that I don't even know goes to show you that is he even on this sheet. I mean, you have to think that, see. I mean, obviously Buck's a potential consideration for one of these top three free agent landing running backs one 142.7 so he's going right around where Deontay Foreman Peyton Barber and Spencer Ware are going who so do you like his, best out of that baked, his all his all of his upside is pretty I mean not all of his upside but that that sliver of upside is already baked into his current ADP I think you're so. not getting real value on Ronald Jones at that point uh, I mean, 12, I mean, you're getting him late, right? And he could he, look. He was a good prospect. He could have a if they don't really draft anybody high, and or they don't get a guy in free agency, he could have a big year. But you just feel like you got a lot of bullets to dodge. It's very early to be invest, investing too much in Ronald Jones with so many um, potential unknowns there. And it's interesting to think that two of those free agent running backs that are in that top three list, Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram, right there in the division. You wonder if their familiarity with them, that might be guys that the, the Bucks end up uh, sniffing around there. Let's see who else we got here. Duke Tobin, enjoyable as usual. Oh, yeah, I kind of General like manager. Him. Actually, I don't think they really have a GM. He's Is he? No, he's, he's the, he's the, the EVP person, yeah. like executive Direct. vice president personnel or yeah, something. Yeah, it's a little or, different organizational structure up there and uh, – up, up there in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, that's for sure. But he's, you know, he was one of the most forthcoming – and candid interviews of the year last year when he unequivocally uh, said Joe Mixon's our workhorse. Bell cow was yeah. the word that he used. That, of course, Bob Quinn told us today, he says that's a silly word, right? Bob that's Quinn a, is such a dog. That's a silly, silly word, right? So he's, he's, done said, a, he's done a bad job putting together that roster on that team. And so there wasn't really much asked to, you know, what are you going to really ask you know him about mixing because you know he said that last year when we asked him and then you know Mixon had a great year so you put two and two together and you figure he's going to be thrilled but yeah asking him anyways what's your impression of the season that Joe Mixon had this year and I mean he was he was glowing about it I mean that's their workhorse almost kind of defensive about it he said well, like he likes, I think I think he had a good season yeah. he had blah blah, blah like he, he talked he likes, about all his he yards has a, that's like a little pet project of his yeah. he has a little thing for Joe Mixon there as a general because think about it that was his skin he put on the line drafting a guy like Joe Mixon, right. you've got a real personal investment in that if right. you're the personnel guy who brought that guy on board. And so, yeah, I feel like that, that's, a, that's a player that that organization is completely behind, and his role is, is locked in at minimum what we saw last year and I believe still has room to grow. I mean, Gio's got to be at yeah. the end of his contract yeah, well, at this point. Yeah, it's just it's Mark Walton behind that. Who sucks. I thought the best, you know, one of the best questions was, I, I think, I'm not sure if you asked it, I walked up a little bit late. I assumed it was you poking around uh, Tyler Boyd. That was the other, you know, big question. You know, what, what, what what's the outlook for Tyler Boyd? I mean, what's y'all's impression of him? And Boy, I mean, you're hearing he the John him. Ross trade rumors, and a lot of that you can tell is because they're they're in love with Tyler. Boyd. Yeah, well, he said he just said he told me he's like that. He was he said like he was a really really good player in college at Pitt. And remember, like you guys, uh, our pro members will have access to our combine 
scorecards from inside Lucas Oil when we grade all of the routes and stuff. You remember in Tyler Boyd's class, that was 2014, 2015, he was the he was the top route runner. I think he, he scored the top, like a thirty-seven or a top one-field on score. Which is I, always a pretty high yeah, score. I'll, we'll have to go back and look and see where it is. You know where it is historically, but you know probably top five in the history since we've been doing that thing from live inside Lucas Oil grading every single route these guys run. So yeah, d- definitely love it for Tyler Boyd. I like him better when AJ Green's healthy. And he said he's a big. I mean, he's a big part of that offense. Yeah. So of course, I don't know. Did anybody get to really poke around the court? What are you going to learn? What are you going to sit there and tell you shit? And if it's not, it's going to be something worse. Seems like Tyler Eifert's just gone. He said, "Look, we got him on a one-year deal last year. We only we got five games out of him. Like he's a great player, but clearly he hasn't been able to stay healthy. We're going to have discussions with him, you know. But it 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 seems like Tyler Eifert's not going to be with the Cincinnati Bengals. And you know, what if he could catch on somewhere and stay healthy? He's a monster. When Tyler Eifert's healthy, he's a monster." He had what he what he broke was he with a broken ankle this last year it was nasty. I don't injury. even I don't I can't even keep track with Tyler. He Reifert. should be playing football, man. He just gets hurt too much. No, he's not made. His body's not made to play professional football. Well, it seems like that, but look, I mean, I think he's gonna I, I think he's gonna get one more shot. I think you could do worse with your basically. You can get him for free in best ball if you want him for your third tight end or something. Like if you wait on tight end, you're gonna need to take a shot on a couple of these kind of. Demetrius Harris's or, you know. What about an Ian Thomas? Ian Thomas's. I think he's like an this. interesting one. That's one we might have to poke around a little bit when we get Ron Rivera. That'll when probably it, be. Whenever you hear the Ian Thomas question, you'll know that it's your boys. <laughs> it is maniacal. It, 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 uh, it pushes up on being diabolical at times. <laughs> How many more of these going to go? We're going to knock this whole thing out. Are we going to break this thing? Let's just see. Pots? Let's just see if we can knock the rest of them out. There can't be that many more. Oh, we're barely halfway through. Well, but we've already gotten through some of the ones at the end. John Robinson, Tennessee Titans is like talking. We've to already a, sort of talked. He's like talking no, to a yeah. wall. Yeah, we don't even need to talk about that. I well, mean, I mean, what do you mean? Derrick Henry is one of the flashpoints in every best ball draft there is. I mean, don't we have to talk about that? He didn't give us any information. I think he gave us. I mean. It was a little bit nebulous. I think we got a little something out of him. It's certainly not the corroboration you got on a Leonard Fournette at that same or a Marlon Mack juncture or yeah. a Marlon Mack. And I'm not even sure. And given the history, probably still a little more comfortable with Devontae Freeman after today, just based on what I know for sure his role is going to be. So when I asked Robinson, who is he's as dry as a damn. I yeah, mean, as a well, he's, he's a dry, as straight, a, out, straight, piece straight, of cardboard, straight out of right? New England. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same old thing, just non-answers, right? But his initial reaction before he it seemed like he let his defense mechanisms take over uh, his response. His initial reaction was, "Whoa, boy, Derrick Henry really did something dirty there down at the end of the season." Not in those words, but that's essentially what he was saying, and he was enthusiastic about it. And then he started to kind of get the reins and rain, rain it back in a little bit and talk about the, the kind of player that, that Derek is capable of being and how important he was to those wins that they got at the end of the season. So he came off initially enamored with what he saw out of Henry, but then kind of came, fell short of saying that he's the, he's a, you know, bell cow or workhorse back definitively for them moving forward yeah i, I just i just moved Devonte freeman over over derrick henry on the best ball sheet 
I feel I I, I do feel safer, more comfortable. Right? Uh, well, we love both those guys. And I mean, out. you know, I've you've seen and clearly clearly Devontae's in a more in in, a, in an offense that's going to be in scoring position more often. You've seen Dion Lewis on some cut lists. Our boy Teron Davenport on that beat. He told me today, like he we'll talk to a Durant pretty good, pretty good chance that yeah. Dion Lewis will still be, um, you know, back. But you know, he made an interesting comment to me though. He said Matt Lafleur. The one problem he had with Matt Lafleur is that Matt Lafleur. He he would abandon his game plan and let the defense and let the and let the score dictate a little more how he was going to call the offense. I forget who the new offensive coordinator's name is for Tennessee, but Teron told me that that guy is uh, much more stead much more steadfast in his commitment to the run game and not letting game flow and game pace totally throw him off that and abandon. He just said that Matt LaFleur abandoned Derrick Henry way too often, way too early. He feels they have a new offensive coordinator who's less inclined to do that. So Arthur Arthur Smith is the new uh, offensive coordinator there for the Tennessee Titans. Let's see. He was um he was the let's see where he's been. Before that he was the tight ends coach for the Titans. Before that, he was a tight ends assistant. Before that, he was an O-line and tight ends guy, offensive quality control coach. He's been quality control with them since 2011, so he's really moved his way up through the ranks. Before that, he was just like a grad assistant in North Carolina and uh, you know stuff like that. So he's been with the Titans this whole time. Uh, this will be his shot as an offensive coordinator. I, it's you know Clearly, that's, that's probably good info from Teron because he's – He's somebody that's just kind of come up through that system. We haven't really seen him anywhere else. I mean, there was really nothing left to ask, you know, Mike Rabel. I mean, half of me wanted to ask about Corey Davis's career arc and his development because that's a guy that Alex and I have really, really cooled on and have really have very little interest in, in fantasy at this point, you know. Partially because of his performance and his development and partially just because that passing game in Mariota is not something we're really all that interested in being invested in. Um and he'll tell you he feels but like he's a number one. I decided not to ask him. I said, not, what are they? It's going to be a non-answer, right. no matter what I ask about Corey Davis. So let's just get on to the next one. And the next one was uh, when I was walking by, and I think you were right there at John Schneider's press conference already, and somebody was poking around on Rashad Penny. That was me. I just said, is this the year that Rashad Penny gets going? You know, is this the year you get Rashad? Is 2019 the year that Rashad Penny gets going? And, he, and he's like, and he's like, we don't see any reason why he shouldn't. You know, he's just well, kind of like, he's kind of like, yeah, of course. He's like, you know, his first year, he got a little bit dinged up by injury. He says he's never been injured before. They kind of threw him for a loop. He just never really got going. He's like, yeah, from everything we, yeah, from everything we know, yeah. Like, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get him going. Problem is, his his value was already baked into his ADP in best ball. I mean, you guys have known that listen to the podcast. I've been kind of on this Rashad Penny thing. I mean, no, in, not, rec- in recent months, I think him and Kareem Hunt are entirely too expensive on. And in, I say in, entirely. In, in the eighth round is too high for Rashad? Is it, is it, I was, uh, my draft app and some of my drafts, I've seen those guys more around the late, late, like yeah, 60s like, and early like 70s. It's 90 is his, is so his then ADP. They've come, then they've come down quite a bit. So if that's either the, the, either that or either either that or you just you could have been in drafts where he just went. I mean, went a little. We, I'm like I'm in like my best ball draft that I'm in right now. It's best ball uh, tens number eighty four. 
Just because so it's like it's not like there there's that big a sample size. There's there's well, big variation. We have had Matt Nagy of the Senior Bowl, who's from the Seahawks organization. No, Tell us Jim, that, Jim, or Jim, Jim Nagy. Nagy. Yeah. Sorry, Matt Nagy's the coach yeah, of the Bears. Bears. Oh, sorry, we interviewed him today. Yeah. So it was Jim Nagy uh, uh, who used to work for the Seahawks organization, and he he told us that he's pretty sure Chris Carson is still is the guy in uh, Seattle. This, I'm not going to buy it, man. You, you don't waste pick number 27 in the draft whenever Chris Carson And Carson's Rashad Penny was a heck of a prospect. I think they're going to try and get him going. And I look, think he's fine to take him I, the eighth and round. I, honestly, I think of that very much as like a beastlier version of a Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman backfield. And Chris Carson is the Devontae Freeman, and Rashad Penny is the Tevin Coleman. And boy, Rashad Penny's a big version of Tevin Coleman. And, and look... Every time I saw him touch the ball at the end of the season last year, you kind of hold your breath saying, like, man, Rashad Penny, like, you get a little worried he's going to snap one off on you. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, I, you know, good, good player in a pretty good um, circumstance there. So anything else from the Seahawks? No, I think that no, was pretty much it. What, what else are we going to tell Well, you already know Tyler Lockett's touchdowns are going to regress. Yes. We didn't need to ask about that, right? <laughs> Kevin Colbert, that's the that was one of the big ones. He's, yeah, he's he's, okay. he's really good, right? Yeah, is this the last one? Not even I th- close. I think man. it is. I think it is. I mean, I'm not even talked, at noon on this schedule. But, yeah. we, but we've already talked about a bunch of these other guys. We've already talked about a bunch of these other teams. We've kind of mixed in talking about. And them. We haven't even gotten to Nick Chubb or Anthony Miller. Okay, so let's haven't just, gotten to Dallas Goddard. Here's the here here's the here's the cliff notes from that from Kevin Colbert. He says, look. James Conner and Jalen Samuels at the very end of the season, when those guys were playing together in a tandem, that was awesome, and that we want to keep that going. AB basically dispelled any myth that the Pittsburgh Steelers, despite what we've seen for the last four years, are going to be relying on one runner and just relegating everybody else. He just said, man, Jalen Samuels is some of those little like, – like, like, did you see him go for 158 yards versus what, New England or whatever it was? Like, did, did you see once we got Connor and Jalen Samuels back and we were able to use them both in the running game and the receiving game? That's a, that's a duo that we like and we hope that that can keep going. And so now we see James Connor has an ADP of like 10, whereas, you know, Jalen Samuels has an ADP like, like 135 – it's just it's a it, it's, it's a, similar to the one that we talked about earlier where the disparity was just it's and it's Jalen Samuels we should be taking him in front of Royce Freeman and Elijah McGuire. Yeah, I, th- I think I I took him in my best ball draft a little while ago. You know, and it's just so satisfying too because obviously those of you who have followed us known that we've been smitten. He was Jaylen our all Samuels absolutist and loyalist. He, he was from, all our, he was our all senior bowl running back over Rashad Penny. Yeah, from from the get-go, but the piece of it that was especially satisfying to me because we all know Jalen Samuels is a great receiver out of the backfield is when Kevin Colbert said, you know, we hadn't evaluated him. We didn't know he was that good of a running back. And, and we tried I mean, to tell you. I, 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 Alex and I, I mean, I was bugging out. I mean, both of us noticed it that senior bowl but i mean i just remember constantly pestering alex even just like on the second day of the senior bowl last year that like dude this this kid is a legit nfl runner right and uh it's it's cool to hear the nfl kind of corroborate that so yeah it looks like we've got great value there on uh jalen samuels and it's time to to it's time to maybe fade james connor uh, yeah, in I got, the first round at yeah, this point. I got James Conner down to where I think now – well, I mean, do, just tell me if you think that you should take him. Let's see. That is 
12. It's six. I mean, what if he falls to 2.07? I like David Johnson more. You like David Johnson? Yeah, well, right. Do you, and, and Dalvin, do you like Marlon Mack more? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's close, but it's close. So James Conner needs to be moved down. Well, the do fact you, is do, there's no do other like Colts Leonard running Ford, back like I want to run. Oh. I, can't put him, I can't put him under Leonard Fournette. Well, you'll break some ADPs. I mean, me in a vacuum, I, I probably take Fournette over Connor's, James Conner. Connor's not going to be available where I'm going to put him on this, on this first version. So it'll be fine. You'll have a choice between James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster. Pretty sure we missed Rick Spielman while we went to go have our – Prison Lunch. lunches. <laughs> it's the same turkey sandwiches they've been serving yeah. up here. It's veggie hummus wraps, turkey and Swiss sandwiches, roast beef and cheddar sandwiches, some nasty old chopped salad, yeah. always some orzo pasta, which oh, this just Greek a, man all can it is, is All it is here in this goddamn town is a bunch of carbs. You eat these big sandwiches with these two big ass pieces of fucking bread you like you eat orzo pasta it slows salad. you down man i well i just don't I, I i don't mess with it but it's just cold up here and when you when you're up here you you want some things that kind of stick to your bones yeah. he said james washington had a bad year but he's hoping for more this he next did, year that was, wasn't that interesting yeah. right another guy great senior bowl but you know it, it makes a little sense coming out of that Oklahoma State offense. His mind was catching up, right? His mind was having to catch right. up out of that Oklahoma State offense as a rookie. So to uh, Washington a good prospect and one that a lot of people are already trying to get out in front on if, you know, if and when Antonio Brown's gone as a as a fast riser and a sleeper for this year. And of course, we'll be very interested in James Washington and it sounds like the uh, scouting report for him is very positive from the Steelers moving forward, but he, it was interesting. He came out and said, man, it was a bad start. A lot of drops and a bad start and a tough transition for James Washington. He, 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 he certainly was short of saying, like, that guy's going to be our monster number two, you know, on right. moving forward. Now, maybe he's not ready to talk about that yet because the Antonio Brown thing's still in limbo. But um, pretty interesting feedback there. Uh, David Caldwell of the Jaguars did not need to – Doug Marone had already Marone answered had already all our questions. Us. Zach Taylor of the Bengals, Duke Tobin. Don't care. Answered all our questions. Dave Gettleman, we hear, was putting on a show up Yeah, there. we just barely missed Gettleman. But it was hard enough to figure out what to even ask Shermer. That Giants team. What are we going to talk like about, about fantasy? Eli Manning literally ruined my Sundays. Yeah, I don't even want <laughs> – he really does. Anytime you, anytime you had Odell Beckham in DFS, he ruined your Sunday. He literally, he took a big shit on I had Odell Beckham in season long. He ruined my Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So many times he was open for a touchdown. Talk, I don't want to talk about Eli anymore. He's coming back and it sucks. Oh, that hurts bad, man. Hurts. That hurts. Hurts. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see, see what happens with all these free agent quarterbacks and these guys in the draft. Um, Freudian slip earlier. Um, Matt Nagy of the Bears was actually up at noon. Had a chance to get in, in front of him and... I mean, I poked around on Miller time. Anthony Miller. He said, hey, dude, he had seven touchdowns playing with one arm last year. Come on. Yeah, I wish I'd asked him a little bit more about what he thinks kind of his ceiling or role Anthony is Miller got forward. Anthony Miller got his surgery. He's going to be healthy for OTAs. He's good to go. He's going to be good. Yeah, the, I didn't – it was a positive response from Nagy, and I, I suppose it wasn't as enthusiastic as a huge loyalist like myself of Anthony Miller would have liked to have here, but it was positive. And I think it kind of probably what's going through his mind that 
if you if you've observed that offense, there's you're worried about the development of Trubisky, and you've got a lot of other mouths to feed, and there's other good pass catchers on that team, right? And that they invested in in free agency just last year. So probably hard to go way, way, way far out on the limb there. But I think the interesting thing that Nagy said that'll be uh, of particular interest for us to watch. As you know, we evaluated Anthony Miller as a combo receiver coming out. Some people thought he was just a slot. Nagy made the point that he really picked up a lot of the offense and uh, maybe more than they, they had even anticipated, and that Anthony Miller was being used in a variety of roles. So he's going to get the option to play inside and outside, which will make him valuable. I, you he's, know, he, he's, he said he's a student of the game, which he should be because he's old. He's like 25 already. And he's from a football family. Look, and it's hard for me to believe that he can't surpass – he should surpass Taylor Gabriel Oh, as the wide receiver two on that team. But because Gabriel's – the, the type of receiver he is, yeah, I think it means he stays on the outside, players. right? So it's just the construct of that offense. But to Alex's point, you know, you lead the league in touchdowns for a rookie at seven when you miss time with an injury – you know, the injury happened in that Arizona game when he was just starting to kind of heat up in the middle of the season, and he has the shoulder subluxation. And that was that when it happened. Yeah, it was yeah, the Arizona it was like week game, seven or something, but, if I remember correctly, at Arizona. Yeah. I remember it but in my it, head. It was in the end zone, I think, I'm, wasn't it? Yeah, in the back, in that, in that back corner end zone. And yeah. So I, I know because I'm pretty sure I was starting Anthony Miller that week, of right. course. Um, so. Uh, you know, anyways, I, I think we could still be positive about Miller. The main, but the main thing to Alex, like Alex says, you don't have it, the surgery has been performed, which is what's needed to remedy the shoulder situation he had. That was a, dude, that shoulder situation was a huge liability to fantasy players with Anthony Miller because that thing could go out at any time. And not only does it ruin your week that week, then you've got the subsequent injury where he's out. So. That was really um, positive to hear that that has been surgically um, repaired and remedied uh, for Miller time. Anthony Miller, the golden son of Roster Watch Nation. Uh, who else do we have here, Alex? We got Freddie Kitchens, man, one of the biggest narratives of the day. Yeah, well, I just, I, just, I just asked, you know, what does the signing of Kareem Hunt mean for Nick Chubb? What does it say about your confidence in Nick Chubb? And he said, Nick Chubb's our, Nick Chubb's our running back. And he, and he said, and we're going to have competition all over our football team. You know, that's something that we're just going to have. And I'll tell you this about Nick Chubb. He isn't afraid to compete with anybody. And, he, and, he's, and he's, he's sure as hell going to back down to anybody. And that's what makes him such a great football player and what makes him such a great Cleveland, Cle, Cleveland Brown. He loves Nick Chubb. Yeah, and, I love Nick and Chubb. all the meantime, TMZ today is posting a video of Nick Chubb powerlifting some insane amount of weight. And he's not even like. Not even a bead of sweat. No, he's he, an animal. He, he, dude, he he power cleaned four ten. Yeah, that's what it was. I mean, it's unbelievable. That's what I took away most. I wanted to ask about Antonio Callaway, but I I didn't get the chance. I, and I don't. Freddie Kitchens a cool I think dude. We know man. what Callaway? I'm Freddie not. Kitchens a cool dude. He is new baby, new new baby, coach of the Cleveland Browns. That's ba- baby Bruce Arians. They say they got a bright. Feels like they have. This feels like the brightest. It's oh. ever felt for the Cleveland Browns since we've been on this beat and since 2012. Here at the Combine, around their cockamamie media contingent, 
I mean, what was it today? Who were they asking today? They went over to another. They team. went over to the. They went over to the Chiefs press press conference to ask all these Kareem Hunt questions about. Do you think he deserves a second chance? They're just asking Andy Reid. It's just sort of their salacious Mary Kay Cabot headlines. Uh, well, what about Andy Reid? Uh, like we can talk about that. I asked him. I said, "Is Damian Williams? Is he a Kareem Hunt replacement, uh, or are you guys going to be looking to bring somebody else in?" He said, "Look, you know, we thought." Who knows what we're going to do with bringing stuff. But, dude, he showed us that he is a, he's a real big-time football player. We obviously um, compensated him as such. We're expecting him to continue to be that kind of player for us. I think that, I think that it, I think it goes to show that Damian Williams is probably fine to take in these best ball drafts until we have more information in, in the third round where, where he's going. Yeah, I think you can look at it two ways. I, I – I, the way I would prefer to look at it was that if I knew by now that we had all the information and we dodged all the bullets, that at that point I feel very good about Damian Williams. But we're not going to have that. So at this point we have we're we can dodge- suppose that at this point nothing's happened, so the best we can assume is the current situation, which would lead you to the same potential result. You can right? get either him or Leonard Fournette towards the end of the third round. It, yeah, I just feel like it's there's a good chance something happens with Kansas City, but you know maybe not. I I thought that was a confident response by Andy Reid. To me, it felt like Andy Reid was basically saying Damian Williams is, is. I mean, as of now, he's the guy. Of course, Byron had to ask about Francisco <laughs> Byron Pringle, who even if he does make a leap up the depth chart, it's not going to get shit done because nobody ever does. Got to get my my question in about my name. Take it's going to be the, what's what's he going to take over the Chris Conley market well, no. share? Yeah, probably so, because Conley sucks, and he can never do anything when he gets in there. The reason I asked about Byron Pringle is more as a, a, di- a deep dynasty question, because with with um, Tyreek Hill's rookie con- – Tyreek Hill's about to get paid, and Sammy Watkins is getting paid way too much money, $16 million a year, and they're going to be able to get out of that contract, I believe, after this year. So I'm, and I say in a Patrick Mahomes offense, dude, I'm interested in every ancillary piece. And we liked Byron Pringle of from that offense, and he was a good prospect and a twitchy one that I think could another guy that all the dynasty people hate because he came out so old. Yeah, I think he's already like 26 or something. And. Uh, that's fine, but if you're already a good player, I'm I'm, I'm not necessarily need what more upside. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's want. like it's it's like those people who said that we stuck up our middle finger. We said fuck you all the way to the bank with Cooper Cup, and he's sick, too sick. So I don't know. I think I, I, you know, we'll see what happens. It's a long shot, but I do think in Dynasty that Byron Pringle is a deep, deep sleeper. That's got to be it. Yeah.